Hello, my friends. This is Andy and Hedia coming to you live from. It's so small. Yeah, because I got the <laughs> the, the frame up from Yorbalinda, California, for Living Fearless Devotional in our new little background we got going on there, yes. and that background's for real. For reals. For reals. Uh, find all of our content. Join us, please, on resurrectministry.com. Check it out. Visit the site. You can find all of uh, our previous shows, plus Andy's Fearless Man podcast, bunch of cool books to check out. I heard Dan Bongino say today, ah, I need to make a book list. And I'm like, oh, we got a book, book list. list. Check it out. Uh, if you want to drop us a line, we'd love to hear from you. And if you care to partner with us, there's that like annoying little pop-up button that comes up. So right. we would love uh, to partner with you. Faux show. So there we are. We got a new little background going on. It's not finished yet. It'll be changing and and we'll be changing things around a little we bit. We look but... like we went to the beach. What? Or we like tan. We have more color. Yeah. More color in our skin. Yeah. We're both people of color. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I was told if if you're not black, you're not a person of color. Whatever. So, what? Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. We got color today. Hey, Carrie. Nice to see you. Hi, Carrie. All right. We are reading from Morning by Morning by Charles Spurgeon. This is a beautiful one. It is so beautiful. Um, the reference is Song of Songs. Four, seven, one of my favorite books in the Bible. Yes. <laughs> it says, all beautiful you are, my darling. Charles says in this devotional, the Lord's affection for his church is quite wonderful. And his description of her beauty. Sorry, I need to look over to make sure the mics were working. Uh, beauty is very glowing. He doesn't merely speak of his bride as beautiful, but all beautiful. Mm. He sees her as being in himself, washed in his sin-atoning blood, and clothed, clothed in his legally won righteousness. He considers her pleasing to look upon, and in fact, full of beauty. Yet this is not surprising, since it is actually his own perfect qualities he is admiring. For the church's holiness, glory, and perfection are his own glorious garments, in which... He has clothed his well-beloved spouse. She is not simply pure. She is positively lovely and beautiful. She also has true merit. Her deformities due to sin have been removed. But even more, through her Lord, she obtained a legally won righteousness by which her true beauty has been conferred upon her. Believers have an absolute righteousness given to them when they are accepted in the Beloved. Again, the Lord doesn't see his church as barely lovely, but all beautiful, for he also refers to her as the most beautiful of women. She has true worth and excellence that cannot be rivaled by all the mobility, nobility, <laughs> or mobility. Oh, mobility, nobility and royalty of the world. If, if Jesus could exchange his elect bride for all the queens and empresses on earth, or even for the angels in heaven, he would not do so. Nope. For she is his priority and the most beautiful of women. Like the moon, she outshines the stars. And this is not an opinion he is ashamed of. For he wants all people to hear from him, to hear him, sorry. In Song of Songs for one, he doesn't simply say how beautiful, but oh, how beautiful. Drawing even more attention to it. And in that verse, he re reiterates 
the, the thought saying, how beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Even now, our Lord proclaims his glorious opinion of his bride. And one day from the throne of his glory, he will reconfirm this truth before the assembled multitudes of the universe. His solemn affirmation of the beauty of his elect will be the words, come you who are blessed by my father. So, yes, a couple of things. I want to hear what you have to say. One, of course, there is, I love that Spurgeon has pointed out that though Song of Songs, people interpret um, on its face as a love story between a man and a woman, that it, it is foreshadowing how Jesus feels about his bride, us collectively as the church being its bride. Mm -hmm. And so when you reread it with that in mind, it is, it's so touching because when you think about it, a lot of times, most of us don't feel very beautiful. And I don't mean just physically, we just feel cruddy. Mm -hmm. Like we failed, we don't do enough. We're not living up to expectations. And he's basically telling us, you are beautiful. You, I have perfected you. And that when he finally presents us to the universe, he's gonna, he's gonna be beaming with joy that this is my beautiful bride. This is my church. And I have, a, I have a prayer that I learned that the Lord taught me that I just say to myself, oh Lord, allow me to see me as you see me. Mm -hmm. And it's so important for us that when we get down or, or sad about our lives or, or our personal relationship with Christ, that we remember that we want to see ourselves as he sees us, as perfect, as beautiful, as glorious. And that can instantly change our, um, our thoughts about ourselves. Hmm. That's really good. I don't even know if I want to even... <laughs> say anything it's uh I, I love cindy's comment maybe i need to go and study song of solomon a second time it's been brought to my attention today about being enough it's so true cindy not only being enough but being oh so beautiful oh so perfect pure as snow that that he sees us that way because he's washed us he's looking at a reflection and if we could only see ourselves that way, I think it would lift so much of our spirits. And I think for women, it's more maybe attached to personal, I mean, uh, to aesthetic qualities. But I think all of us can relate to the issue of just not feeling beautiful, even on the inside. You know, maybe dealing with anger or resentment or even being afraid is not an attractive quality or being mm. anxious is not an attractive quality, but knowing that our Lord sees us completely differently than that and asking him to show us what that looks like. Can we see ourselves through his eyes with his heart rather than through our own? Wow. You know, I'm thinking of this maybe in a way that maybe you might be surprised. Oh, <laughs> let's hear it. Because I'm looking at it from a, from a man's sure. standpoint. And there's two parts that I want to address. One of them is one of the most important things that I've learned this time around with my faith. I've had many attempts at faith. <laughs> but this, this one, this one's a good one. 
because I have a true relationship with God. Yes. Where before he was just like this way beyond thing. But understanding what it means for a man to love his wife like Jesus loved the church. And this mm. kind of really just. That's good. Just reconfirms it. Yeah. I mean, just because it's so different than how. And now I've been married a couple of times before you. I'm not sure if you know that. <gasps> but I. <laughs> But I can, I can, unfortunately for the, just for the marriage, not lasting, say that I didn't love my wives like Jesus loved church. And, and for whatever reason, that's how my life was laid out and that's how it happened. And that's how, uh, you know, you and I were both available at the same time and we, and God put us together Yes, and said, okay, listen, listen, Andy, <laughs> You have a chance to do this one more time. <laughs> to listen to me. Listen to what I've told you. You need to love your wife like Jesus loved the church. And you need to understand what that means. And what does that mean? It's just and like this is so perfect because my now you, you, you know, like movie stars who marry some of the most beautiful women. And these guys sometimes are not the most handsome men, right? And they and they marry these beautiful women and yet they still cheat. Yeah. Right? And so just coming back to this, it, the beauty of the of, of the, the surface, the outside beauty, is the thing that kind of first attracts us oftentimes. Like you and I were probably attracted just by the little bit of glow that we had by being at the church, but also by, you know, just appearance. And then we talk and we get to know each other and then there's more. But really, my attraction to you now is your beauty in the sense that Jesus loved the church and thought it was all beautiful, so beautiful. Everything about you to me is beautiful. And that will never fade. You know what I mean? In my eyes. Aww. So your 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 beauty is what attracted me. Your beauty is what I still enjoy today. But but even in the beauty of the ex-wives or a movie star to, you know, who's kind of ugly, that's with a good looking woman, um, that fades. But not if you love your wife like Jesus loved the church, because that is a, an amazing beauty that has been created through God. Yes. And our, our marriage is that important. Our life together is that important. Our love for Jesus Christ is all a part of that and that creates beauty all beauty that's beautiful <laughs> well and it's when you think about so we think about this individually in our own walk with christ right is let me see me how you see me but it works for a spouse too is that i want to see my spouse because jesus loves you too as his bride mm -hmm. is that let me see my spouse and let me love them like you love them. Let me see that beauty. Let me see that perfection that you see in my spouse. I want to see that perfection. Mm. I want to look at that person and see everything that's right with them the way Jesus sees them. Yes. Right? Yes. Each, each of us individually. Even that goes to brothers and sisters in our congregation that annoy us or we get upset about like, Lord, allow me to see that person like you see that person. That love, that purity, that beauty, I want to see that person. I don't want to see the one that's clouded by my judgment and my shortcomings and my, you know, mindless uh, faults. I want to see the perfection that you see. Mm -hmm. 
Another point I want to bring up, especially that I bring this up to women that I hear um, are in relationships with bad men or, you know, that men that are abusive, something that uh, the Lord told me when I was dating, I had come across men like that. I had been involved with men like that most of my adult life was that the Lord said, daughter, I do not want anyone to treat you poorly. And I don't want you to want anyone or let anyone to treat you poorly. You are my bride. Mm. And that struck me. It really struck me. It, it, it helped me to end a relationship in five minutes. That was, you know, a courting situation. And I was just like, oh, no. And the Lord's like, no, you cannot allow somebody to treat you that way. Because I don't allow anybody to treat you that way. Mm. So if you allow this to continue, it's you allowing it to continue. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, and that's in your flesh. In your flesh. Because you're justifying it in some way. And I and I'll never forget when I was in therapy after my last rather abusive relationship, the therapist is like, Why do you allow men to do that to you? And I said, I don't know. And and it was literally not until I came to Christ where he's like, No, that's not permissible. And I was like, Oh well. He gives us a self-worth and a value that is beyond anything another human being could give us, nor should we allow another human being to take from us. Mm. Wow. And it removes also some of these uh, ugly um, emotions that come with relationships, resentment. Right. Um, is destroyed with relationship with God, making our relationship more beautiful. Uh, it just makes it because you don't want the ugliness of resentment right to muddy the waters because the beauty just keeps shining through and keeps pushing through and so you know even like in an argument you can be resentful for a while like i can't believe that she thought of that of me or she accused me of that although you know that that just goes as the relationship grows between you and i and with god though and I think, and I don't know if you feel the same way, but I feel that those, the recovery time from a disagreement has become faster and it's even more joyous once that period is gone. Yes, once absolutely. That, once that dark cloud is gone. But I, but it has to, it becomes a relationship with God. Yes. Right? And it's, it's hard to admit that sometimes. As a man, it's hard to admit that I could not do it on my own, <laughs> that I, I did not have any control over this or that I couldn't stop it from happening or whatever. The, the loss of control to God is, is so fantastic. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. <laughs> because if it were up to me, I'd be resentful for a couple of weeks. <laughs> and where does that get you? Nowhere. Like bitterness, you know? Nowhere. It's so miserable to carry. Yeah. But it's, it's just something else to have this uh, opportunity. To, and I think that's one of the things that... Uh, when we were talking the other day about what 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 comes from something bad happening you know divorce you know uh, separated families and all kinds of things. i mean it's just it's as bad as sometimes as a death mm -hmm. worse um, it lingers yeah yeah you stop the beaker you stop to smell the rancidness of the divorce and yeah. the, the dirtiness um but where what you have to look for what has it given me what has God, what does God want me to take away from this? What is the beauty from ashes? Right. Joy from mourning. 
And so it's not just for us, but it's for us to share. And I think that's uh, some, something that Christians need to remember that um, the testimony and, and, and Pastor Jack Gibbs talks about this too. We don't want to share our testimony as if it was something fantastic. So I don't want, I don't ever want to look at the divorce. Oh, thank God I got divorced because I would never have met you. And that's kind of true, but I want to look at it. That's a tragedy and, yes. and it was bad, but now that we are together, what is it that I can take away and share with others that uh, may not, uh, may help them not have that first divorce sure, and remain married to who they're, who they, who they started with. And, uh, and that's another thing that God has given us the beauty of using our testimony, um, to encourage, to encourage others. Yeah, to help people. So Carrie says, I see my failures and wonder how God can give me so much love and mercy. Well, that's, yeah, mm -hmm. that's the perfection of our Lord. We're very, very lucky. Oh. Cindy's that's so sweet and perfect truth. I'm happy for you all to have that. Thank you. Long time coming. We're both, I mean, you know. Yeah. We're over 50. What? Uh, you know. You didn't and tell he's me that. closer than me. Uh, Cindy says, seeing through God's eyes, yes. And truth must know who you, truth, you must know who you are in Christ and be treated like the princess in Christ that we are. Amen. That's, I just, that's my heartfelt wish for women as they are single looking for a man and those that are um, suffering. Hmm. Oh, yes. Beauty from ashes. We share our testimony. Yes. That's awesome. Do you, um, you want to read Jim's? Yeah. Yeah. Because I think that's a great, because uh, he talks about Corinthians, which is something that people oh, like to like to ignore. Yeah. Today's devotion is a glorious reminder of the power of God's grace to transform people. Hallelujah. Paul asks, do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor male prostitutes, nor homosexual offenders, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that is what some of you were. What? There you have it. <laughs> and that is what some of us were, Jim says. Yet the power of God's amazing grace is revealed as Paul continues. But you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the spirit of our God. Paul also said, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has gone and the new has come. And he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight, not to mention beautiful. And as Solomon said in another one of his books, he has made everything beautiful in its time, even us. Mm. It's such a, I, I, I've said this before that I love uh, the Lord's approach to us. And I try to remember that constantly in how I speak to my daughter, that he does it with um, praise. He, he nudges us towards a sinless life or at least living righteously in holiness by saying, I did this already. You were great. You're holy. You're sanctified. Walk that out. You know, so that if we're engaged in any of those previously listed things, right. you know, that even thieves, greedy, drunkards, slanderers, even slanderers or swindlers will not inherit the kingdom. So I've taken these things from you. I've paid the price. I defeated them for you. Walk in it. Mm. Come on. You could do it. Come on. You could do it. 
you know, and this is, this, and, and honestly, this is the way I talk to my daughter sometimes. I'm like, you're beautiful. You're smart. You know, you just, you just have to let other people see it. Let other people see your light, you know, as opposed to being like, why are you always like this? And why are you always like that? But doing it through a positive encouragement, having them feel, wait, I am all those things. So how do I behave as the, in the station that I already possess? Mm-hmm. How do I walk that out? As opposed to, I'm never going to be good enough. Yeah. Love that. There we go. So we that do is this. so beautiful. So we do. <laughs> beautiful. It's the buzzword of the day. <laughs> okay. Song of songs, four, seven. You are altogether beautiful, my darling. There is no flaw in you. I had, I like to add the no flaw in you. And that's actually in the verse, no flaw in you. Right. I love that myself. Right? Yes. Ephesians. I remind you of that. Well, and that's what I'm saying. That's what we were saying earlier, right? About and when you get in a conflict, when you don't like a quality about your spouse or your child for that matter, <laughs> or a friend, you have to say there is no flaw in them. They are as the Lord created them. Whatever kind of sins they occasionally. Oh, so tough. Right? Yes. You're right, though. This, but we got to try. And <laughs> Ephesians 1, 6. To the praise of the glory of his grace, by which he made us accepted in the beloved. Mm-hmm. Song of Songs again, 5, 9. This is, uh, so in the verse previously to this one, the author says, you uh, makes the women of Jerusalem take an oath Um towards her beloved and he says why is your lover better than all others a woman of rare beauty what makes your lover so special that we must promise this and so again when you read song of songs over again as jesus talking about his bride it has a completely different meaning right i don't i want you to take an oath to protect this my bride because she my church is amazing it's perfect. It's beautiful. It's glorious. Yeah. That's such an honor to be considered one of them. Wow. Matthew 25, 34. This is another distinction of honor. Then the king will say to those on his right, come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance. The kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. Again, our predestination to this glorious station of the bride. And the inheritors of the kingdom. Wow. Good stuff, right? Yes. I wasn't too sure about this one when we got started. Oh, yeah? Uh, where are we? So, Cindy says, oh, yes, beauty from ashes. Oh, yeah, we share our testimony. Mm-hmm. And then, yep, I talk to my daughters like that, too. Oh, good. That's fantastic. Did you already read the one that says truth must know? Yeah, okay. we said that before. We- ah. Got it. Um, oh man, I shouldn't have read that because now I forgot what I was going to say. Oh, it's something. It was amazing. Was it? Yeah, as always. <laughs> I don't recall. Um, yeah, it won't, it won't come to me. I thought it would. Um, okay. Let me uh, just look really fast on what Jim said here. Most uh, oh, from uh, Peter. Yeah, no, there was something earlier. From Spurgeon himself. From Spurgeon. Oh, I was just asking about the this uh, 
his sin atoning atoning blood and clothed in in his legally won righteousness the legally part is something that just stuck out to me is that what was the legally part well because the sin of uh the wages of sin are death Mm -hmm. um and so when jesus sacrificed his own blood um and life to pay that price he's legally earned the right to atone for the rest of humanity. He gave the price. And so it's legally his. It's an interesting choice. So of words. legally in the eyes of God. Exactly. There's no, there was no, there's no law. Well, he is. He, def- he, he fulfilled that law. Oh, oh, okay. So in God's contract, I know it's legally this little thing. I being a police officer, I'm thinking like he went to court. Well, he did. <laughs> he went to God's court. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. His legally won righteousness. That we inherit. Prefer is no longer I who live, but the righteousness of Christ that lives in me. Very good. Well, thank you for explaining that to me. You're most welcome. How much longer do we have for this devotion? Do you have any idea? Do you know when we started it? Could we possibly be on the back end of this devotion? Oh, July 17th. Oh. Oh, we have a ways to go. We have a ways to go. It seems like we've been in this one a long time, doesn't it? It does. I don't know why. I don't know either. What are we going to do next? I don't know, but I really enjoy it. I don't, with Wigglesworth, I really liked, you know, it was my first devotional in my entire life. So I didn't have anything to compare it to. But what I, what ended up happening was there was just a lot of um, healings, healings (laughs) and very similar messages. I feel with Charles, we, we quite, even though there's, uh, there's always going to be some similarities, you know, on them, but. I feel like we do get something fairly new each time we read one. Yes. But Smith, I didn't feel that. A wider variety of topics. Yeah. And he was healing. He was a healing maniac. That yeah. He was healing somebody every day. Yes. Sometimes five people at a time. <laughs> <laughs> it was irritating me. <laughs> like he was like the guy because, pacing back and forth in the airport. Well, because we discover our own shortcomings in, in, the, in the inability to demonstrate the power that, and authority that we do have and yet cannot <clears throat> manifest. <laughs> so it was a little oh it was a little disappointing in that sense i got a couple of things happening so um uh, guys pray for um for discernment i think is the best way for me to put it as i go through some of the new tools there's some new tools available through Streamyard. there's some new tools through this other platform that i use that I, I want to utilize that will give us a little bit of a, a, a little private time every so often to kind of maybe have a little Bible study. I haven't broke the news to you yet. Oh, yes. But I just, no, you I, hinted to it. I hinted to it, but I or just... maybe like prayer meetings too. Yeah, like a little like prayer meeting that we'll have or an opportunity to, to maybe... One thing I was thinking, and I know we're doing this in front of everybody, but then maybe they can kind of add their little comment on it. Yes. One of the things I was thinking is that every two weeks when you write an article, uh-huh. and you don't do it every two weeks, every so often you'll take a week off, um, that that will be a private session with you about that article. Oh. You'll read it. You think it's interesting enough? Oh my God, are you kidding me? Every one of them are interesting. And and then this, we, pers- this one this week is personally Yeah, so I think I was work. thinking that today when this one came out and I really enjoyed it, listening to it. I'm, I'm going to share it with all the kids um, and have them read it. But um, I think that would be something cool to do with our regular viewers to say, hey, we got this private discussion with Eddie about an article. And you and I will sit down, you'll read your article like a book reading. Yeah. And then um, 
Well, and then we'll dive into it a little bit and uh, go a little bit deeper beyond what the article does because you're limited with the number of words yes. that you can do in one of those. So I was thinking that would be one thing that we could do. That's interesting. I did a radio interview on the article today and I mm -hmm. learned something new. Uh, so in the article I mentioned, the article is about um, why the church should be uh, concerned about the protests in Iran. And one of the things I point out is that the evangelical church, the mainstream church is, is noticeably somewhat silent on this issue. And my, broad, my host, the radio host, has been in, in news and broadcast for 50 years. And so he said, this is a common problem. He says, we have a hard time motivating, whether it's Nigerians being persecuted in Christians, uh, I mean, uh, the Christians being persecuted in Nigeria or in China and now Iran, the church is often very apathetic to the political injustices committing, committed against people and persons and especially Christians. That it goes back to the problem with silence is acceptance. Mm -hmm. where we don't care about participating in local politics. We're citizens of heaven. This, the rationale goes, we don't um, get involved in politics. That extends to world affairs, not just our local politics. We don't want to get involved in fights that don't involve us mm -hmm. because it's not the business of the church to do. We are only supposed to preach the gospel. Well, if people aren't free to accept the gospel. How is that going to work? Right. You, you know what I mean? So if you, or if you're killing people, then um, how do you how do you preach the gospel? Hmm. Uh, actually, I saw an interview with an Iranian couple that were Christians, and it was on, I think it was Christianity Today or something, and they were saying, you know, we love how concerned, and I mentioned this briefly in the article, we love how concerned the church is about spreading the gospel and sending us Bibles. He says, but if the people are dead, the Bible's not going to do them much good. Hmm. <laughs> um, and so he was just, that was just his, personal plea to the church to be our voice says so we and it, i brought up proverbs 3 in the article that you know we must be a voice to the voiceless yep. and we must speak up for those who can't speak for themselves yeah it was an awesome article i put a link to the article those of you on youtube and twitch will see it in the comments um but if you're watching on uh rumble or oh linkedin doesn't share it either linkedin oh. or twitter uh you'll have to go to the christian post and uh, type in hedia's name and you'll see it right now it's on the the home page so you just scroll down until you find it but uh it's a good article uh it's getting a lot of attention yeah i mean to already you just it went live yesterday and you already had a radio interview yeah i got out. one on monday and i've got a meeting to get more involved and to share my story uh my perspective on it uh with another group on monday as well you know i was watching the usa uh, versus iran game Right today, and they would show the audience every so often. And I go, oh my gosh, there's so many headias in the audience. You guys, <laughs> you're all over the place. <laughs> they look like me. Yes. Oh, that's so cute. I go, I go, Wait a minute. Oh. Well, and you didn't know any Middle Eastern people no, until you met uh, me. No. How funny is that? Oh wow, look at all those headias in the audience there. <laughs> oh, all right. Cindy subscribed to the yeah. articles. Yes. Thank you, Cindy. Very good. All right. Anything else, my love? I think that's it. How do you guys like uh, the look so far? Again, this will we'll be adding to it. Yeah. yeah. So before we were using a green screen. So yes. all those other um, backgrounds were not the actual room. So yeah. What happens with the green screen, though, is because it's utilizing so much computer power and stuff, it causes a, sometimes a little bit of noise. We call it noise. 
in the business. Uh, it's called mm -hmm. noise. So it causes some noise. And so the picture isn't as clear, but, uh, and so I was hoping that maybe we can get away from the green screen for a little bit and see how this looks. But again, we'll add a few more things in the background. The only thing that I don't like is the, uh, the color of the, the wall. Yeah. So I may have to paint that at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking just before we went live to maybe pulling down the green screen for the thing, but then it gets back to that that idea right. that we have it to use. Point. I yeah. didn't realize that it takes up energy. Yeah, it does. What was the word you use? It takes up resources? Resources, yep. Okay. And uh, it you know causes more bandwidth to be used, which then causes the picture. Oh, so use. like make this an accent wall. Yes, an accent wall. Like red or something. Yes. Not like Biden's red. <laughs> no, no, <laughs> we are not bad. doing that. <laughs> no, we're not, we're not doing <laughs> Uh, Carrie said the story got her attention and opened her eyes. I'm so glad to hear that, Carrie, yeah. because that's really what I was hoping to accomplish is to have people read it and be like, wow, um, I should be paying attention to this issue. Mm. Um, it, at the very least, praying for the Iranian people to be free, to be just set free. And I was telling Don in my interviewer today, I said, this is especially um, important for me, not just because I'm an Iranian, but the captivity I felt wearing a hijab, a head cover. Mm -hmm. Because even if I accepted the faith on my own accord, um, I was really, um, I was really stifled by the head cover. I hated it. I hated it. And I just, I, I was so upset. I mean, finally, that's what unraveled the religion, taking it off. But I was upset constantly that my faith, that God required me to do it. Mm -hmm. It just didn't make, it never made sense to me that, that that was so important to him that I do that every single day. Right. So I, I, I point out that, uh, I'm that I'm not surprised that, um, that it became the rallying cry of women in Iran and that it's important. I want the world to understand that Iranian women, remember the book of Esther? Esther was a, was a Persian. That Iranian women historically, notoriously, are fiercely independent, as you've learned. Yes. And outspoken and no. modern and Western. They do not consider themselves part of the Arab world. Uh, they've always fashioned themselves to be... Um, you westernized. Know, westernized and intellectuals and poets and artists. So the whole idea of the Islamic revolution has hit the women the hardest. It really has because the men didn't suffer as much as the women did being forced to wear a head cover of a religion. Most of them didn't even follow. Right. So all of the morality police has been, I think for the most part implemented just to control the women because yeah. they're hard to control. You might have a point on your head. You met my 85 year old mom. <laughs> yeah. She's no more controllable than I am. Heck no. Not less so. Yeah. I guess you go to a restaurant with us. <laughs> Carrie says she likes the color of the background. Oh, um, and okay. I, you know, I, as you say that, I'm, I'm also thinking it it's really neutral. does make um, the other colors pop. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, it makes like your uh, weed grass or what is that called? Tumbleweed? What? This Tennessee, the Tennessee tumbleweed? This here? Yes. No, is there it's anything? Not. No, that's those are reeds from the the Nile. I don't know what you mean by that. It's they don't reeds. have those. those yes, they do. I've seen it in all the movies about uh, Moses no, floating down the river. It cannot have those things on the end of them. Yes, it can. It's in the river. Carrie knows. 
<laughs> and Cindy knows what I'm talking about. In the river, they have the little little furry things on the end in where the, the, where the, the basket's going down. In the marshes down. in Tennessee, but not in the night. Yes. I'm going to uh, look it up. Yes, I'll show you pictures. I'm going to look it up. That's what I meant. That's why I got that. So but I is literally... That to be an ode I, to me? I, I got, no, I'm not an Arab? Yeah. Okay. I, I got all of this about an hour and a half before we went live and actually put the shelving together. Uh, and so put it up there. It's pretty cool. I like it. it. Um, but yeah, those, those are from the those are from the the River Nile. And why did you want to use something from the River Nile? Because we talk about the Middle East a lot. <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing more offensive <laughs> to an Iranian than to associate them with Arabs. I'm I was going to tell you all. I was going right to get there. A, I was going to get a, a stuffed animal, a, a camel, and put it in the back. <laughs> Yeah, for those of you who did not know that that's one of the first things Andy said to me. Oh, do you know how to ride a camel? <laughs> we don't have camels. Really? No. I could have sworn in, in Iran they rode around on camels. No. It's not huh. desert. Really? Yeah. And you don't have falafel either. Or we don't have falafel either. Wow. Cattail plants. Right. Cattail That's plants. what I meant. Not sure if they have those. See, Cindy, what the... thank you. Hold on one it's second. It's an American plant or Western or I, I, it's just, it's not a plant that grows in Arab lands. Details in <laughs> the Nile. Okay, let's see. Yes. No. See? Those, yes. In the Northern and Southern hemispheres. Hemispheres. What? Yeah. Like this. More than useless. <laughs> <laughs> they, go, are, they grow in marshes and by ponds. In not the by Nile. running rivers. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Cindy. Thank you for vindicating me. All regions. Do you, did you, Austria, see, did you uh, see Egypt listed there? Um, okay, keep going. I'm getting there. Hold on. Yeah, do you see Egypt? Estonia, isn't that near Egypt? Well, oh no! <laughs> India. See uh, that? What? Not a one. How's Egypt? Pakistan? No. Wait, are we associating the Nile with Pakistan? Saudi Arabia. Just because those countries are listed doesn't oh, even have cattails. Orale. Well, I like it anyway. I needed something thin that was there with that black. I was trying to. To I don't mind them, but the, there's nothing. The blinds the by Nile. themselves just didn't. I wanted to put something in front of those blinds. <laughs> Cindy's daughter rode a camel when she was in Egypt and lived there. Oh my God, why was she living there? Oh. I got to riding a camel in Egypt when I visited too. It's one of the funnest things to yeah. do when you're there. Um, riding a camel is intense. Very cool. Yeah, I've ridden horses, elephants, and camels, but the caliphant, the caliphant, the camel felt like he was going to trip. For some reason, he just—he seemed kind of like a doofus. Oh, yeah. yeah. Maybe that it was that camel, but I could have sworn we were going to fall at any. I was out there with my kids when they were little. Oh. I thought for sure that thing was going to trip and fall. In my Muslim community, that was my nickname, Labib of the Camel. <laughs> <laughs> you know why? Because your long legs. No. Because I would go and go until I died. <laughs> like I wouldn't stop. I had the resilience of a camel. <laughs> I, I thought I thought you said you needed a nap, <laughs> but nap. Uh, Gary says you need a map. I'm just kidding, kind of. No, you are not kidding. 
<laughs> I know I did. I, okay. I, I did think that maybe you might have owned a camel. <laughs> or or that those grow in the Nile, the cattails. <laughs> we love you guys. Good. Thank you for having, <laughs> having the patience. Discussion. Having the patience to stick with us on this. Um, I'm going to prove myself right. All right. Anything else, my love? Stay tuned for that. <laughs> I think it was in the Charlton Heston movie. See, maybe Hollywood doesn't know either. Maybe. That's where I get I get all my information from Hollywood. Possibly. Maybe, maybe that's my problem. Yeah. Here she goes. Cindy says she was an international medical researcher for the Navy and her husband was in the foreign service working toward being an ambassador. That's that awesome. is so cool. Very I awesome. love that. And probably the years that she was there was kind of cool because again, Egypt also before uh, they got rid of Mubarak was a pretty cool place. It was, mm. it was pretty secular and it was open and uh, uh, people enjoyed it. It was a great uh, Sharm el Sheikh was a great vacation spot. You know, along the Nile, it was beautiful country, but it's kind of gone downhill since the revolution. So sad. Yes. Can you tell that that says pray? Is it of easy course. to say that says pray? Oh. Sure. All right. Good. Guess where I got that? Hobby Lobby. Yeah. You get anything. You get everything at the Hobby Lobby. Oh, she was there during the Tahrir Square uprising. Oh. oh, okay. So she was there when it turned. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. That makes it a little bit more exciting. I was there soon after that. But yeah, it was a real change hmm. in the dynamics of Egypt. All right. Anything else, my love? That's it. Want to go on another trip? Down a river? Then do another country? No? <laughs> no. <laughs> I think we got it. All right, my friends. We love you. God bless. God Have bless. a great rest of your evening or day whenever you're listening to this. <laughs> Take care. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye.